You know, the new year is always a good time to stop and ask yourself the question, what is it, and I want you to ponder this tonight, what is it that you want most from your life? What is it that you want most from your life? And then this question, what is it that God wants most from my life? And do they match? When I think about my life, and this has been the truth for, for my life for 42 years, but I always think about it every new year. It's something that's on my mind. I want a life that honors God. I want to live a life in every aspect of my life that honors God. In my thought life, in my attitudes, in my actions, in my service, in my marriage, in my family, with my money, with my resources, with my gifts, with my talents, with my body, with my habits, with my relationships, with my prayer life, with my church life, that all of it would be a life that God would say, Mark, that honors me. You're honoring me. And as we go through the next, tonight, this would be four, but the following three weeks, we're going to talk about with specificity what does it mean to live a life that honors God. <clears throat> about 160 of us, I wished all of you could be there, but I realize it's not possible. But about 160 of us from the rock <clears throat> were down in Des Moines and we got to enjoy 28 degrees below zero every day as we walked to the meeting. I got to tell you, it was brutal. It was so brutal. You know, I've told you I don't wear hats, right? Well, I still didn't. No, I did. It was so brutal that I wore marshmallow snow pants. They're the only ones I have. I paid $10 for them in Mills Fleet Farm, and I look like a giant marshmallow. My wife said, Mark, you look 100 pounds heavier with that stuff on. I said, yeah, I look like an idiot, but it's better than freezing to death. <clears throat> so I put these things out over my pants, and then I had this giant coat that I have. That it's extra large, and uh, I put it over all this, and with my vest and my little earmuffs to walk over every day, and then I carried a suitcase, a lightweight, to take it all off down so nobody could see me, and stuffed it all in and carried it around with me while I was in the building in the vet center. <clears throat> it was bad. I walked home one night. I thought, oh, I'll just go in this coat. It's cool. It's important. I felt like someone took a two-by-four to my forehead by three minutes. It was a three-minute walk. Felt like someone hit me with the forehead. It was that cold. But man, was it good to be with all of you. And we spent the last three days, those three days there, sort of going through the book of First Peter. <clears throat> and what do we learn? Some of the things we learned through First Peter. We learned that we've been saved from a futile way of life handed down to us by our forefathers and our culture. We realize we've been rescued from a meaningless, broken, empty, self-destructive way of life. And we realize that God saved us to live a life completely different during our years of exile here. We're exiles. <clears throat> I was using the silly analogy. How many of you have ever seen the wrath of Khan? <clears throat> wow. All right. You guys need to see some things that really matter. You need to see the Wrath of Khan, okay? The original version, not the Star Trek 1963 version, but Ricardo Montalban version, not the Cumberpatch 
Cabbage Patch Man version. Don't want to see that one. I saw that one too. Captain Kirk and the crew, they exile Khan to this desolate planet. And he's there for a long, 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 long time and then somehow miraculously escapes. And every time I think of that movie, I think about us. Lord, that's what I'm like. I'm in this desolate land. And we may not be, well, we are sort of in the frozen tundra right now, but it'll eventually warm up. But we are in a desolate, godless land. As Christians, as Christians, when, when we have this desire to live a life that honors God, then we feel that. We feel the distress of the sin and the wickedness and the godlessness around us, in the media, in other people's lives, and in our own flesh. And it bothers us because we want to live a different life. And we can. Because of Jesus Christ, we can. We are called to live a life that honors God. All of us. But what does that mean? What does that look like? So here's what I'm going to do. I want to read to you <clears throat> some verses. I just want, to think, want you to think about this so you don't think that I made this up. Because here at The Rock, the Bible is our book of life. The Bible is the authority for us as a Christian in all aspects of our life. Let me read you a few passages from Scripture. I put them all on this page so I wouldn't have to flip through my Bible. Normally I'd flip through it. But for the sake of time, I'm going to read them. Colossians 1. Paul writes, So I've not stopped praying for you since you first heard the good news. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please God. James 3.13 If you say you are wise and you understand God's ways, then prove it by living an honorable life a life that honors God. Titus 2.3. Similarly, teach the older women, that is, spiritually mature women, to live in a way that honors God. 1 Corinthians 6.19-20. This passage is really significant. I'd encourage you to read the whole passage of 1 Corinthians 6. It relates to so much what people are dealing with. It talks especially about sexual sin. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of God, the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with his high price, so you must honor God with your body, so that we have our body. God's telling us he wants us to honor him with our body. And specifically in the text, related to sexual matters. And you and I know that we live in an extremely immoral nation. Whether it's multiple partners or whether it's porn. An extremely immoral nation. You can hardly watch anything on television or a movie. And it's always, in some way, usually very immoral. You listen to music. And it's very difficult to listen to music that isn't in some way very immoral. Proverbs 3.9, honor the Lord with your money and with the first part of everything you produce. 
Wow. Honor the Lord with your money. We're going to get into that. What does that mean? And how can that impact my life? Psalm 50, verse 2. But giving thanks is a sacrifice that truly honors me, says the Lord. If you keep to my path, I will reveal to you the salvation of God. So we see that what we do with our mouth, with our attitude, with our spirit, am I thanking God? Do I go through my day thanking God? Do I start my day thanking God? Every single thing I have was given to me by God. My eyes, my ears, my brain, my hands, my heart, my lungs, my kidneys, my legs, the body that I inhabit, the air that I breathe, the job that I have, the wife that God gave to me, the children God gave to me, the grandchildren God gave me, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the car that I drive, all of it was given to us by God. Do you reflect on that? Have you ever asked yourself, Lord, Lord, is my life honoring you? I want to honor you with my life. What does that mean? To honor means to revere, to heed, to obey, to follow, to deeply respect. Am I following the ways of God? Jesus said, come follow me. Am I following him? In my heart, in my actions, in my attitude. But there's a passage that I want to read tonight. I am going to open my Bible. And I want to read to you tonight. And I want to ask you this question as I read this passage. One of the things we learn in the book of 1 Peter is that all of us, since we come to Christ, are kings and priests. We're from the royal line of Jesus Christ, the royal line of Judah. And he was a king and he was a priest. And we've been made kings and priests, that we might proclaim the good things of God, the excellencies of God. But what kind of priest will we be? I want to read you a story. I read it many, many years ago and had quite an impact on my life. It's the story of a priest named Eli. Eli was the priest who told Samuel's mother, you'll have a son. You'll have a baby. God is going to bless you. Now, here's how dull Eli was. Before I read you this text, let me tell you a little bit about him. Eli's at the temple, and as you're going to find out in a moment, he was a very spiritually dull man. And Hannah, she came, and she was so distraught, she was overwhelmed with anguish, distraught and anguished. You'd think this man of God We'd be able to recognize an anguished, distraught woman. And she's praying, but silently. And she's moving back and forth, and her lips are moving. He had thought she was drunk. That's how out of tune he was with human beings and empathy. And then when she said, oh, sir, don't accuse me of being drunk. I'm not drunk. I'm heartbroken. I want a child. I want a child. So then he says, well, in that case, cheer up. And I thought about that from when I thought... Don't say that to a woman who's in anguish and distraught. It says here, she was in great anguish and sorrow. Cheer up. Okay, Eli. Let me read you about Eli. I really want you to think about this. Now, the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord 
or for their duties as priest. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's son would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork, like a pitchfork, into the very altar and the sacrifices of God. While the meat of the sacrificial animal was still boiling, the servant would stick a fork in the, in the pot and demand that whatever it brought up be given to Eli's son. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. Sometimes the servant would come even before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar, and he would demand raw meat before it boiled so they could use it for roasting. <clears throat> the man offering the sacrifice might reply, Take as much as you want. But the fat must first be burned. And the servant would demand, no, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. Now, I could go off on just that tonight, and we'll go into it in a few weeks. But man, I'll tell you, <clears throat> the first part of our income ought to be sacred to God. And some of us are sticking a pitchfork in it, and we're keeping it for ourselves. And man, in the Old Testament, these Israelites, they're bringing the sacrifices that God asked. And these two sons, these priests, were so sacrilegious, they were so defiant of God, they stole it from themselves. They walked right up, had their servants stick a fork in it and bring it to them so they could roast it and eat it. Well, Eli was very old. But he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. And he'd been aware for a long time. Fathers, I'm telling you, please listen up. He knew, for instance, that the sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I have been hearing reports from the people about the wicked things you're doing. Why do you keep sinning? You must stop, my sons. That's going to be effective. Stop, boys. Why do you do that? And God held him responsible for what his sons were doing. And that struck me as a young man and as a young father. It challenged me to ask myself, as a priest of God, what kind of father am I going to be? <clears throat> and will I have the courage to stand up to my children? Wow. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate the guilty party, but someone sins against the Lord. Who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. One day a prophet came to Eli and said, The Lord said, Didn't I reveal myself to your ancestors when the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt? And choose your ancestor Aram from among his relatives to be a priest. And to wear priestly garments and serve. So why do you scorn my sacrifice and offerings? Why do you honor your sons more than me? For you and they have become far from the best offerings of my people. Therefore, the Lord said, the terrible things you're doing cannot continue. I had promised that the branch of the tribe of Levi, your branch, would always be my priest. But I will honor only those who honor me, and I will despise those who despise me. I will put an end to your family, and you'll no longer serve as priest. This passage, this passage has been profound in my life. I'd like to read you a couple of aversions, what, what, what this passage says. 
This is the God's word version. Therefore, the Lord of Israel declares, I certainly thought that your family and your father's family would always live in my presence. But now the Lord declares, I promise that those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be considered insignificant. This is the Amplified. Therefore, the Lord God of Israel declares, I did say indeed that your house and that of your father would walk in priestly service before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be insignificant and contemptible. Therefore, this is another version. This is the declaration of the Lord. I did say that your family and your forefather's family would walk before me forever. But now this is the Lord's declaration no longer. For those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me will be disgraced. Now I want you to think for a moment. What kind of life does God want? He wants us to live a life that honors him. And as I look back in my life, I began my spiritual journey when I was 19 years of age. My, it wasn't just a spiritual journey. It was, Lord, I want the rest of my life to honor you. I want to learn to honor you. And it's a growing process. I had all kinds of things I had to struggle with. My lust, my selfishness, my pride, my anger, all these kinds of things. And then I got married, and then I found out, wow, there are some deep-seated issues, Lord, in my life that, that this, this crucible of marriage brings out of me. And I'm determined I want to live a life that honor. I want my marriage to honor you, Lord. I want my marriage to honor you. I want the children that are begotten through this marriage that are produced to honor you. I want our family to honor you. I want to honor you with my gifts, with my talents, my abilities, my money, my time, my church involvement, my commitment to your word, my prayer life. I want my life to honor you. So the story of Eli was a big deal to me. Because I realized that Eli's sons were the result of his own complacency and his own unwillingness to confront them when they were young. And I was so struck by that text, you, you, Honor your sons more than you honor me, Eli. What does that mean? It means that if you were going to honor me, you would correct them. You would discipline them. You would bring them to heal, Eli. Because they are disregarding me. They're dishonoring God. They're shaming. They're shameful behavior. And I think, how many? uh, I just tell Come to the dad's workshop tomorrow. We talk some more about this. But, but let me tell you, fathers and, and men, it is so critically important that you and I step back as we begin 2018 and determine, Lord, with all my heart, I'm going to live a life that honors you. I'm going to be an example to the people around me. I want to walk humbly with you, Lord. I want to live an upright life. Whatever, you know, I was... What needs to go in my life, Lord? Where are the compromises in my life? See, compromises don't honor God. 
Where are the things, Lord, that I know i am willfully been compromising in? David, let me tell you, David's story, I love David. I love the Psalms. But my gosh, David was a pathetic father. One of his sons raped his half-sister. Another son, Adonijah, tried to steal the kingdom from him. Another one, Absalom, tried to do the same. Had the, was the most stunning man in all of Israel. His hair weighed about 10 pounds. It was gorgeous. And in running for his life, he got caught in a tree and hung in his hair and died. <clears throat> David was a terrible father. You know what the Bible says? It says during all of Adonijah's life, not once, not once did David discipline his son. Did David have the courage to say to his son, buddy, stop. No. No. You know the reason why I did? Because I went down to God. I went to God not because I'm a control freak. Not because I want to control my children. I want to nurture in them a desire to honor God with their lives. So Kathy and I, we took, nothing was more important, as I said with you a few weeks ago, than our faith. Nothing in the world is more important than my faith. Nothing. I would rather live in a garage than compromise my faith. And we'll get into a few weeks, I'm telling you. You may not think we have idols today, but you know what the Bible tells one of the great one of the great idols of America is our materialism, our affluence. And we need to step back sometime and ask ourselves, "Wow, wow, Lord, am I bringing these kinds of decisions before you as I make them? Am I thinking through the consequences of the purchases that I make, or what I'm doing with your money that you gave to me?" And some of us, some of us. I want you to think about this. We'll get into this in the weeks to come because this can change your life. Some of us, we go, oh, you know, I'll just give the Lord a couple bucks and we're using what ought to be the Lord's money on our own Chipotle habit or our, our own entertainment when we'd never think of stealing money from the IRS. We never think of not paying our taxes. But you don't understand there's a tremendous reward that God gives, a tremendous blessing that God gives when we honor him with our money, with our life, with our spirit, with our attitude. But there's also disgrace that comes when we don't. There's what we call want. There's want. We'll end up being really needy in ways we never had to be because one way or the other, God's word can't be violated. So I want you to think about this this week. Please think about it. Please come back so we can learn together. Lord, how can I honor you with my body? How can I honor you with my mind? How can I honor you with what you've given me? How can I honor you with my gifts, my resources, my talents? Because the bottom line, you don't want to be Eli. You want to be like Christ. Jesus Christ honored the Father in all things. And God wants to do something significant with your life, and it starts with this attitude that says, God, I want to honor you. I want to honor you in my relationship with Kathy. I want to honor you in my relationship with other believers. I want to honor you. 
I revere you. I heed your advice. I'm going to follow you, Lord, not what I want, but what you want. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you tonight, Lord, that you're able to change our life. You really are. And, and, and you bought us with a price. We sing, Lord, you know, we sing about the blood. We sing about the blood. We like to sing about the blood. But if that song really means something to us, then we say to you, Lord, I'm not my own. You own me. You bought my freedom. You bought my life. And with my body and everything in me, I want to glorify you. I want to honor you with what I look at, what I don't look at, what I think about, what I don't think about. I want to honor you and how I care for the temple that you gave me. That you might be glorified. That you might be honored. If it was not, Lord, for your amazing grace, what would we have? We have nothing. But I just pray, dear Father, that this year we determine I am not going to squander my life anymore. I'm not going to squander my money. I'm not going to squander my talents. I'm not going to squander the opportunity to be with the people of God and grow in my faith. I'm not going to squander the gift of prayer. Help us, Father, I pray. Thank you for each and every person that you brought here this evening, Lord. I know you brought them here for a reason. I pray that you speak to them this week, that they reflect on these passages of Scripture, and that they'd be determined to live this year and the rest of their life a life that honors God. In Jesus' name. Amen.